Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Falcoholics. What is up? Welcome to the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. I'm your host, Kevin. I'm at Falcoholic Kevin, joined by my co-host for today's Trench Talk, Jordan Watkins at Big 75, fella. Back for week two. Another dub. Jordan, how are we feeling today? I feel 2-0. I feel, I feel great. It's almost like one of my favorite movies, uh, Coach Carter. You know, and they say it in there, not only are great straight, we undefeated home, boy. So, mm-hmm. no, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, it, it means a little bit more when you get that second win. The first win in week one, that was nice. It meant more to us, obviously, since we hadn't seen that in like five seasons. But 2-0, it starts to mean a little bit more. And like, okay, we're, we're getting we're getting rolling here a little bit. Um, and now, you know, opportunity in, in week three to to repeat 2017 history because we talked mm-hmm. about this last week. Last in 2017, you know, they won week one. Played the Green Bay Packers at home and won, and then they had to go on the road to play the Detroit Lions and won. So can they repeat that uh, this year? We'll see. But uh, before we get to the Lions, which I'm sure we'll touch on a little bit later in the program, uh, we got an exciting game to recap. Maybe a little too exciting at the end, but hey, you know that's <laughs> that's how this team is. We knew that wasn't going to change, even if they started winning these games instead of losing them at the end. For the record, you know, much happier with that than than yes. the the alternative, but. Um, yeah, so we're going to get into the Falcons win over the Packers, talk about offensive and defensive line play, and just some of our other just general takeaways after having some time to digest this one. Before we do want to, of course, bring you word from our sponsor, betonline.ag. Folks, football, football is back, and BetOnline is your number one information source for all your sports wagering info with up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns can get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football at your fingertips with BetOnline's real-time updates on statistics, news, and odds. Just to put it out there, Falcons are currently four-point underdogs to the Lions on the road. Not not surprising, I, I don't think. Um, but, almost you know, a push. Almost a push. Uh, so that, that seems fair to me. Uh, I, I don't typically actually do much betting on straight game lines or anything like that. But that, that one's a little bit interesting. I think, I think Atlanta will probably be one of the spicier, maybe uh, upset picks this week. We'll see. But no matter what you do, guys, BetOnline is there from week one all the way to the college football playoff and Super Bowl. BetOnline gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. And remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, Jordan, I know you're a defensive guy, defensive line guy. So let's kick yeah. it off there. We talked about this before the show that like the eye test made you feel like wow the Falcons are are like really getting creamed in this one and then you look at the stat sheet and it's absolutely not the case so it was a little bit of a weird sort of dichotomy between what we saw and what actually happened um, right and you know part of that was obviously the red zone efficiency <laughs> where Green Bay didn't actually get to the red zone very many times but when they did they cashed in every time Falcons unlike last week didn't do that. Uh, but, you know, with the Falcons defense ultimately holding Green Bay to just 224 total yards, which is very low. Um, yeah, I mean, what what sort of were some of the things you saw from this defense that ended up 
translating to this actually really good performance on balance. Yeah, you know, one thing I thought I, I picked up on was a trend that we saw also from last week where at least pass rush-wise, things started to heat up as the game went on, right? It, it was kind of slow, not really much pressure on Jordan Love, which, you know, as we talked about, that was something I saw coming from the Chicago game for him. Like, yes, he looked good against Chicago. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. But, yeah, when you're usually dealing with a clean pocket all day, it surely helps, right? Um, but, of course, it gets down to the nitty-gritty of it. Fourth quarter, here comes that Falcons pass rush. And I think part of that, again, I know we talked about depth. That was, like, one of the big themes of this Falcons team this year, especially on defense. I think that's where you see it come into play. You have a lot of guys who are still fresh in that fourth quarter, and so when you bring them in, they're ready to go. And, I mean, even on that last drop, you saw we were in Jordan Love's face. We're hitting them. I think pressure on his face is a big reason as to why that that fourth down throw was off target and, and you know, ultimately was incomplete turnover on downs and won the game. But, yeah, if you just look at the raw numbers from this, I mean, uh, PFF credits the Falcons with seven total pressures, uh, one sack, hit Jordan Love twice, hurried him four times. Um, but one thing I did love to see is that Arnold Epicady was pressured with, I mean, credited with three pressures. And I know if you go back to last week's episode, we're saying that, you know, we don't have that true speed guy on the outside that can win like that. You know, even if you look at our starting, our starting guys like Lace Campbell's usually on that left side. And again, he's more of that, you know, collapse the pocket, bull rushy kind of guy, you know, still, still waiting for sack number 100. But um, so to see Arnold Evacati come in, I believe he had 21 total snaps. So the fact that, uh, excuse me, he had 31 snaps, but 10 of those were, pass rush snap so three pressures and 10 pass rushes yeah excuse me pretty good number um and i i think because of that you'll see him get some more looks there it, it would just be another good dynamic yeah. to have to add to this defense someone that can be a pass rusher on the outside yeah i i think arnold abikadi was someone going into the offseason that we sort of were penciling in to be a starter and it, it wasn't really the case to start the season here i think some of that has to do with something we brought up last week which was that the scheme change sort of definitely uh, probably affected him and guys like D'Angelo Malone more than most others because they were three, four outside linebackers. Like these were, that's where they were drafted to play. They fit really well in that style of defense. Now going to what mostly looks like a traditional four, three, four, two, five, most of the time. I mean, they almost never actually play a third linebacker. It's pretty much always just two linebackers, but they do sometimes have the five man front um, where you will still be able to have that three, four outside linebacker. But it's not really their base package anymore to go to to having that yeah. three four outside linebacker on the field. So I think it's led to less snaps for someone like Arnold Abikadi, who was more of a specialist in that. But I think I don't think this team is just gonna like give up on him and be like, okay, well you're just gonna be a bit player for us now. But it may take him time to readjust to playing with his hand in the dirt sometimes and just basically, you know, I think they want to make sure that he can be trusted to play the run on the outside, which is, you know, one of the core things that these four, like when you're playing that four, three end role, you have a lot of times you will be the contained man out there, depending on what the secondary is doing. So they have to really be able to trust that you're going to hold up. And we've seen, you know, Clay's Campbell, obviously what we talked about last week, this is an aberration for Campbell. Like this man basically had like a handful of missed tackles all of last season. He had two last week, comes back this week, zero missed tackles uh, and was dominant against the run. I think he had like, like an 80 PFF grade against the run this week. So, 
you know, much more like what we were expecting for Clayus Campbell. Arnold McKay is not that type of player against the run. So in this defense, he may be more of a pass rush specialist, but they still they still really need that guy. And it was really nice to see Ebikati, especially in crunch time. I think two of the pressures on that final series were Ebikati's pressures. Yeah. So um, we know he's really talented and that he can be a good pass rusher. He may not play the sort of starring role that some people were hoping right off the bat. But if he can continue to get a little bit stronger and continue to work in, I think we will continue to see him get more snaps and hopefully make these these key plays late in games. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I saw some reps from him even earlier in the game and run situations where if he was lined up against a tight end, maybe not uh, Tom, the, the right tackle for, for Green Bay. But if he's lined up against Musgrave or, you know, one of their tight ends, he actually did a pretty good job setting the edge, which, you know, I, I think he can do that against more of your tight end types. Right. But also in pass rush situations and it'll be interesting to see the evolution and what Ryan Nielsen wants to do going forward but seeing some more two four five looks uh defensively in certain situations so of course you have your two down linemen whether that's Grady and Animata Grady Calais you name it I know we talked about this on the reaction show yesterday we'd love to see some looks with Calais Campbell inside but then you can have those instead of your ends they're outside linebackers right so that's where an Ebicady could come in or even if you want it to be a Zach Harrison or, um, you know, I think he was credited with the pressure as well during the game. Um, or you want it to be below, you know, you name it. That's another way you can still have a 4-3 look, but the personnel just looks a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this is still a multiple front, and I think they were they were clear to emphasize that in the offseason, saying, like, look, like, yeah. we're still going to be multiple. We're still going to utilize all these pieces. But they've definitely gone more to that 4-2-5 base as opposed to the more 3-4 heavy looks that, DP's favored um and you know I, I think i mean so far i think it's worked out well for them um but again this is still a work in progress like we're we're still waiting to sort of see how it all comes together and we've got a lot of young players in here we've got a lot of people mm-hmm. making this transition to the new scheme you know i think taquan graham in particular i think well, I don't bl- that that holding call. It's ridiculous. That was not. A yeah, holding. I can't. Um, I can't I, wait to rewatch that. one. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm going to get my my microscope out to try to find that one. But <laughs> um, he seems to be one of the guys that's kind of struggling to make the transition. And that doesn't surprise me, you know, but it, it you know, I, I have faith in him. I think he's very talented. Um, I, and I, I know people will look at his like his PFF grade and it's like a 35.2 it's because of the penalty that it's that low. Like it, it, the rest yeah. of his grades were all like pretty average. So like without the penalty, he's probably like a 60. So like, don't again, this is why like a single holding call tanked his PFF grade 30 points. It's like, I did, man, I just don't really get it. Like, the, yes, it was a major point in the game, but it was also not real. So yeah, whatever. And, uh, <laughs> and that's the thing. It's so interesting to me because usually, you know, if you see defensive holding up front, that's usually on one of those kind of zone type plays because, you know, we're taught as interior D linemen, whatever you do, you don't let that guard get up to that next level to block one of the linebackers. So, yeah, of course, if you get beat, you're going to hold on to them a little bit so that way that linebacker can flow. But if I remember correctly on that play, it was like it was not a zone play. I think it was like a screen or something like that. So I was so surprised when I saw his defensive holding on that. It's like, wait, that doesn't even – Makes sense. I mean, I could see potentially again, obviously with screens, ta- uh, offensive linemen trying to release to the next level, so you hold somebody back. But I was hoping that Fox was going to show a replay of it. Didn't really have a chance to get to one there, but uh, 
yeah, I can't wait to I can't wait to see that one again. <laughs> yes, uh, you know, it, we're probably not going to see much there that's going to make us feel any better, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But, you know, un- thankfully we got justice. Uh, we got justice for that and for the Matt Collins robbery uh, with the Falcons still able to win that game. So the football gods are just this week to the Falcons. Uh, <laughs> I think they're paying us back for all of the years of torture, perhaps with, with some of these, but no, they and, have a lot of payback that they had to give us. <laughs> we have some good things coming. We should at least. Um, exactly. But, yeah. I mean, to get, we got to give more props uh, this week too, to the, to some of the defensive linemen, uh, David on Yep. Again, with just an outstanding game, he had the batted pass. Uh, you know, he had a, I think multiple run stops. Um, ends up finishing with like over a ninety PFF grade, which is of course elite. Uh, I mean, talk about return on investment, right? The two best defensive players this year have been your two biggest free agent additions, and David Onyemata and Jesse Bates. Uh, you know, are you are you satisfied with David Onyemata so far? Is he everything you hoped? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and the thing is, if you look, if we're talking about raw stats again, I don't think you find it very common that someone gets over a 90 grade and they just have one tackle. You know, like, again, just to talk about the impact that Mm -hmm. that he had. And we talked about this last week, his ability to push the pocket and press the pocket is what led to one of the Jesse Bates interceptions. You know, Bryce Young Mm -hmm. can't step into the throw and, and, and there you have it. So. That's why, again, it's just when you want to paint this picture of what a perfect pass rush looks like with a four-man rush, you know, you press the pockets on the inside, and then, of course, you don't go over the top, all the way over the top if you're rushing on the outside. You rush that back shoulder of the quarterback, and boom, there you have it. Well, the thing with the Falcons is that first part, they have it down, right, with Grady and and, and David Onyemata. They have that first part down. That pocket's going to collapse. Good luck trying to escape up the middle with those two guys there. Um, and yeah, David Onyemata, he's just been absolutely perfect with that. And again, it's just one of these things of they're going to keep growing as a unit. I really do think some of these games and stunts are going to continue to work and grow on them. And after a while, I'd say give it by, let's say week five or six or so. I think that's really when you're going to see that, that team, especially pass rushing clicking. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. And it, it's, it's been definitely in spurts so far, but to, yeah. But where the spurts have been is at the end of games when they absolutely need to have the stops and it's happened two weeks in a row now. And I think everyone was sort of bracing in this one for this comeback drive for the Green Bay because we've seen it so many times. Uh-huh. Not trying mm-hmm. to throw Dan Quinn under the bus. I mean, he can take it. He's running like the best defense in the NFL right now. I'm sure Dan Quinn can, can take it. He can handle this now. But, you know, so many, it would be the <laughs> same thing every week where the Falcons would get a narrow lead and the defense would need to make one stop and they couldn't do it. They just, the team would march down the field, this prevent defense. Right. And I just, and even with DMPs, they would play off all the time on these final drives. Yes. And then you, that's, that's one of the biggest things I love about Ryan Nielsen and, and Jerry Gray's scheme is that they, th- this is a prevent situation where a lot of teams play prevent. Um, and they, no, they're man up like pressing on this, like goal to go essentially drive where it's like, okay, they have to drive the length of the field to win this game. They have the safeties back, which of course, mm-hmm. but like those corners are not playing off. They're not giving up the free and it's four and out, like not a single completion yeah. allowed. Like everything's contested. Everything's hard. And I mean, I'm, I just love that. It's like, yes, please. Can we get that? Like, like no more passive coverage. Like you've got the guys at corner. Like it's time and, to uh, man up. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And and shout out to uh, Mike Conti. He, he put these stats together, but 
defensively, and we talk about the offense, I'll put their stats out there too. So two fourth quarters already this year, right? Still no points allowed by the Falcons defense. Just 56 yards allowed by opponents. The longest play is 11 yards. I mean, so to your point, think about that in contrast to what we've seen the last few years, right? It's it's night and day difference so far. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really, that has been maybe the biggest change so far. Uh, and I, I love that. Like, I just hate playing off especially in this situation yeah. where it's like they do have to drive the length of the field so where a lot of coaches tend to get conservative i think this is actually the time to get aggressive and we've seen that like they bring yeah. the pressure they man up they keep the safeties back um to give them and and that and you can do that when you have two good safeties um and I you agree. know i you know richie grant has been a little hit or miss so far but we've seen the flashes um and then obviously you have the best safety in the nfl so far this year jesse bates so when you have that cushion back there that security it lets you be aggressive in these situations. And that I think is the best way to defend them. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's I've, I've loved that aspect of this defense more than any others, how they've shut teams down to finish out games, which is just such a nice thing to see uh, to watch your team taking a knee to end the game. It's just, there's no better feeling than yes. watching that victory formation out there. Absolutely. Um, and before we move on, obviously shout out to Grady Jarrett, uh, you know, another very good game from him. Uh, Caden Ellis solid once again. Um, I thought D. Alford had a good game. I'd obviously, given up that touchdown on the blown coverage, I mean, just sort of a yep. bad play. Um, but I thought the rest of the game he played really well, especially as a run defender. Um, you know, I think he he just flows really well. And he, despite his size, he's totally fearless. Uh, and he, I think yeah. he has really good technique with how he plays the run. So I, I do appreciate that. Uh, A.J. Terrell, too. Um, great game from him. I mean, that first play grabs the receiver. Panic. Yep. And ever, and then immediate, and then after that, nothing, um, just locked down the entire game. And, and I think the coach got to him and was like, AJ, like you're, you're way too good. Like you need to, you need to believe in yourself. And then he did. And you saw the exact, something very similar happen later in the game. And instead of panicking, what does he do? Just plays right through it completely calm. And it's what, it's what's all over, you know, Twitter is mm-hmm. he just sort of just casually just bats it down and just sort of like waltzes yeah. off. The- it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, this is who I am. I can do this. Yeah. And so I just wanted that pick six, AJ. Yep. Oh it. man. Well, if they could catch, they'd be playing offense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The football gods give us the football gods take it the way. So, you know, uh-huh. we had, we had a couple, we benefited from a couple drop picks ourselves. So, you yes, know, we'll, we we'll just, We'll chalk that chalk that up as as a push there, but uh, I also wanted to shout out Nate Landman who had a great yeah. game, um, and I'm so happy for him because for people that aren't familiar with Nate Landman's story, uh, was like an ascending potential day two caliber player, had a devastating injury, um, and it took him like two or three yeah. years to come back from, um, and it looked and he was like athletic, he was making plays, he's always had really good instincts has this injury and he, it just as noticeably slows him down um, ends up going undrafted. Uh, and I'm, it looks like he's getting it back. Like he's slowly been able to return to get, to build that confidence. And, and, you know, not, we're not talking Troy Anderson levels here or anything, but just, he, he always had the instincts and the ability. It was just, can he stay healthy? Can he get, come mm-hmm. back from this injury? And it looks like maybe that is happening. So I've, I'm just so happy for him. And, I know a lot of people were worried about the Falcons linebacker depth and why they didn't go add anyone else. Well, now we know because <laughs> they have total yeah. faith in Nate Landman. So. Absolutely. Yeah, he, his story, it reminds me of an old teammate I had at Stanford. Uh, some people might remember the name Shane Scove, who middle linebacker, 
And I think everyone really understood how good he was. We played, uh, it was like two years before I got to Stanford. They played in the Orange Bowl against Virginia Tech. And he was all over the field, all over the field. Um, so going into that next year, he got hurt. He tore his ACL in the game. And, and a big part of why he was so good, again, was like your point about Nate Lamont, his athleticism. And after the knee injury, you know, it kind of shocked, it shocked his athleticism a bit, but still was able to be a very productive linebacker, you know, at the collegiate level because of how smart he was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, so he was surely he's like, all right, he gets that athleticism back to match up with the smarts lookout because he was same thing. He was on track to be, my opinion, a fairly highly drafted player, yeah. but then I believe actually went undrafted if I remember correctly, but mm-hmm. Again, a big part of that was because that athleticism went because of the injury. But um, so, no, it's and that's a lot of times it's hard to get back. But yeah. you can tell the determination of Nate Landman. Um, it's so awesome to see him have a good game. And, yeah, that that's another thing, too, that I, I just want to shout out. I'm so happy you brought him up because I think a lot of times some people, they underestimate how smart these players are. Where a lot of times, and you see it even from when guys get older, right, even so a guy like Calais Campbell where he might not be as athletic as he once was in the Arizona days, but because he's so smart and he knows this game, well, he can still find ways to make up for that. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm happy you shout out Nate, Nate Lamb because I, I wanted to shout out his instincts and, and his IQ yeah. as to why he can still be a, a productive player while he's working on getting that athleticism back. Yeah. And it, it's so nice to have that as your third linebacker uh, because you just look Troy, Troy Anderson has to miss a game defense doesn't miss a step like uh whatsoever so he doesn't obviously have the coverage ability of a Troy Anderson like in terms of his athletic ceiling I mean Troy Anderson's one of one so nobody really has that maybe Fred Warner um is the guy guy that gets close but (laughs) I mean Fred Warner obviously much more experienced and and has that you know all that that depth of football knowledge from being you know the best linebacker in the NFL for like three four years now but right um maybe someday Troy Anderson can can get up to that echelon but um you know Lamin not on that Troy Anderson level of athleticism, but again, the instincts are at a higher level that can make up for some of those things. And at the same time, yeah, that's why yeah. Troy Anderson can afford to make some mistakes or mental errors and recover because he does have that athleticism. So it's an interesting sort exactly. of study into like two ascending linebackers, one winning more with the football IQ side, one winning more off athleticism and seeing how maybe eventually they'll kind of dovetail together as Lamin hopefully mm-hmm. continues to build his confidence and regain some of that athleticism and Anderson yep. learns how to play linebacker because this man's only played linebacker for like two years in his career. So <laughs> that's, I still and can't believe that. Yeah. It's just wild. I know. And and that's the fun part again, why it works so well of having Nielsen come over with Caden Ellis. Mm-hmm. And you talk about someone who knows the system and scheme already, what he wants to do. So you pair him with, with them, but then also to your point, learning from Nate Landman as well, who has a lot of experience playing linebacker at a high level, whether it be in the Pac-12. I don't want to hear any jokes about the Pac-12 anybody, so y'all leave them out. But then also now, you know, being an NFL linebacker too. So yeah. a good place for – a good position for Troy to be in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, moving over to the offensive side. Uh, this was a big bounce-back game for the offensive line, who really as a whole struggled, except for Matthew Bergeron last week, which is kind of interesting, and, and Drew Dahlman. Um, this week it's kind of uh, the opposite, actually, where everyone else seemed to – to sort of bounce back. Bergeron had a tougher day, but that's not surprising um, for reasons yeah. we'll definitely get into. But, um, you know, really, I thought I was really impressed with how the the whole line sort of rebounded from a tough week one. Um, 
so yeah, where, where do you want to start in this offensive line? Uh, we got, we got a lot of guys to get to. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you mentioned Bergeron, so I'll, I'll start it off there. All I can say is welcome to the league. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that it was going to happen. The best way. Yeah. yeah it's going to happen. I mean, um, you know, if you watch the uh, knuckleheads podcast, it's a basketball podcast with Quentin Richardson and, uh, Oh my goodness. Who's the other host on that show? Uh, my goodness. I, I, it just slipped <laughs> my mind, but one of the questions they always ask their guests is you'd say, Hey, who's the first person in the league that busted your ass, right? Like it happens to everybody. And, you know, obviously if, if you have somebody like Kenny Clark, who's been a really, really good defensive tackle in this league for a long time now, I mean, that first interception, right. From that mm-hmm. interception that Desmond Ritter threw, you know, he just walked them down, walked them yeah. down, bull rush, and then got right out at the last minute, hit, hit this and ball floated. And that's all I could say in that moment. It's like, yeah, welcome to the league. Pretty good. Yep. But it's one of those things where that's fine. You're, you're going to, like, again, like we said, we're going to have those moments. I mean, he can just look from last week right across the uh, line from him and see what Chris Lindstrom is still going through whenever he has to go against Derek Brown. And Chris yeah. Lindstrom is one of, if not the best guards in the league. So it happens to everybody. Um, you know, I'm still very, very high on Matthew Bergeron with that still. Uh, so the thing I will say this, though, I will say this, and this is what impressed me because this is what happened to the line as a whole. He got better as the game went on. Yeah. And again, you, you talk about it. Desmond Ritter had much more time to throw in the second half. He saw a lot of those running lanes open up as well. So I got to give him credit. Like, yeah, you took your chops, but you stuck with it. And at the end of the game, when we really needed it, you were there to deliver. Yeah, exactly. And he, you know, look, he, he did, he did get, you know, like I said, welcome to the league, you know, two hits, two yeah. hurries allowed uh, that, you know, and, and he had some penalties as well, uh, but played quite well as a run blocker. I think he bounced back this week and actually had a better game as a run blocker. And it sort of mm-hmm. ended up and it ended up, you know, being okay. Um, whereas, you know, the rest of the Falcons offensive line, you know, I think allowed some, some hurries, uh, but not really anything overly egregious so you know Bergeron has a bit of a down day but everyone else steps up has a better game so it ends up actually resulting in a much cleaner pocket overall yeah. um because the issue is with last week when we had Caleb McGarry and Chris Lindstrom both getting crushed on the right side uh at the same time and that's like oh this that's gonna lead to very bad things if you have one player on on one side of the line have a bad game you can survive that you can weather that that's that's pretty much par for the course it's really rare that you're going to just shut down the opponent's pass rush but when you have two guys on the same side having issues, that that's really bad. So, yeah, nice to see. Uh, you know, Bergeron. It, it's it's an off game for him. Um, overall, he's gonna bounce back, and and I'm not too I'm not concerned. Obviously, um, nice to see him get some better push in the run game this week too. Uh, yeah, which I I thought they were a little too harsh on his grading last week in terms of the run blocking. Um, but this week I think uh, he definitely made some some nice plays there. No, absolutely, and and I think. Yeah, obviously, when it comes to the running attack, as a young player, younger lineman, that's going to be the naturally the easier part of the game for you. And again, just with his demeanor, uh, talking about Bergeron, that's you know that's what I expect, right? To to mm-hmm. try to be a mauler and a road grader. So it was like you said, it was good to see that. Obviously, a lot of times if he's going to have a one technique, he's going to have Drew Dahlman over there to help him out, which obviously is going to be a big plus. Um, I think even on that the touchdown run by uh, Dez, you know, they had a double team right there. Obviously, it was a replay, but they had the double team. They got a lot of push. 
So even if if it was a read and, and Desmond hands it off, I think you're still getting that fourth down conversion. But um, no, it's, like I said, it's just one of those things you're going to take lumps. It is what it is. Then you get coached up on it and you go back back to, to the next week. But the one place I do still have concern for for the Falcons, at least on the line, is still not another a good another not good enough performance in my mind. Pass rush block, pass pass blocking wise. Excuse me for uh, Caleb McGarry. And we talked about Rashawn Gary, how good of a pass rusher he can be, even though limited production he had against the Bears in terms of limited snaps. And, you know, again, we're going up in another week where you're going to have to go up against a very good pass rusher. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure if, if I'm Aaron Glenn and, and everybody else over in that Detroit Lions meeting rooms this week, you're going to line up Hutch, you know, Aiden Hutchinson, to whatever side you think is going to be the most productive for him. Mm-hmm. It would not surprise me for him to be lined up on that left defensive end, so on the, over the yep. right tackle uh, for m- majority of the game, and y- you're going to have to be able to go to work and bring it. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're they're going to line up in Hutchinson on Caleb McGarry. Yes. Guarantee it. Uh, they'd be silly not to. Um, and, yeah, I mean, this week, again, it, it wasn't debilitating. It wasn't destroying the offense to the degree that it was last week, but still a below-average pass-blocking game for Caleb McGarry. Um, and, again, he brings it as a run blocker, and that's yep. that's why he's here um, because, he you know, he can usually provide passable pass-blocking and be a really good run blocker. Um, but these first two weeks have definitely not been good enough and he's got to get that under control. Um, and it doesn't get easier for him. Certainly no. uh, next week, it'll get easier for the guards and drew Dahlman against the lions, but not for <laughs> Caleb McGarry. So, you know, maybe right. the, the Falcons may need to consider leaving a tight end over there to help uh, chip Aiden Hutchinson, um, especially with the news that James Houston is going to miss several weeks for Detroit. So, um, yeah. It's going to be on Aiden Hutchinson probably to bring the heat this week. Um, so, you know, if I'm the Falcons, I'm planning to put extra attention over there so that Aiden Hutchinson doesn't take this game over because he's certainly capable of doing that. Um, 1,000%. Yeah, it's dangerous. Um, shout out to Chris Lindstrom. Bounce back to be the highest graded offensive lineman, as yep. we all expected. Um, you know, some people were like, oh, Lindstrom just got paid. Now he's taking no, no, just relax. Uh, Chris Lindstrom's great. So, yes, Lindstrom, awesome, best pass blocker on the team uh, and another very good run blocking grade. Um, we also had Jake Matthews with another good game uh, and Drew Dahlman with another good grade as well. He ends up being the second highest graded offensive lineman this week. So, yeah, I mean, the, the Lindstrom one isn't surprising, but the Dahlman thing, it's like, uh, once again, like uh, Dahlman was one of the, the two question marks on the line, I think, for most coming into the season. And I think he's shown that he has really he has actually taken that next step to be just a rock solid, maybe even above average center at this point um, that we were sort of hoping given that they didn't invest anything in the position at all this off season, that he would take that next step. And it seems like he has taken that step in terms of consistency now. No, absolutely. And, and again, I think there's at least for me, the one question, like I said, I had for him, or I wanted to see over and over is when you have one of those bigger, stronger noses right on top of you, how do you handle that? And at times still trying to deal with that and, and improve on it. But again, I think when you talk about situations, he's in a good situation in terms of being in Atlanta to learn from another center who was not the biggest or maybe not the strongest, but still had a very, very good 10 plus year career in Atlanta talking about Todd McClure. And from what I heard, he did work with him in the off season. I think uh, 
Drew's dad got him in touch and they were working out together. And then, I mean, even also, too, if you want to get to it, if if I don't know the relationships that Alex Max still has. But again, wasn't the most overpowering guy in the middle. But you, you, he knew the way to work his finesse, footwork, you name it, to work around that. And obviously, we know how good Alex was in his time here in Atlanta, too. So yeah. definitely ways you can, you know, get over that hurdle or, or, that, or that hump. And it just seems like to me, as time goes on, Drew is doing a better job with that. And I think it shows. Yeah. You know, I know he, he, I think I said they gave, he gave up two hurries, but the thing for me is that we talked about with Caleb McGarry, right? We would expect everyone's best pass rusher probably going to be lining up on, on Caleb, you know, for the next few weeks. It's not like teams are just every single week lining up size right over Drew Dahlman, which again, I think that goes to show you that is not necessarily a, a weak point, mm-hmm. if you will, because otherwise, yeah. you know, you got a big guy that that's just a monster collapse a pocket or, you know, give a good interior pass rush, line, line up over him every single time. But that's not happening. Yeah. So, no, I think you're right. And, and th- the way this offense operates, it's true. Like they do limit the exposure of these guys in pass blocking intentionally. Yeah. And that allows them to target these run blocking specialists. And there's a couple guys they have that I think are, are true jack of all trades, like good offensive linemen, like Chris Lindstrom, Jake Matthews, both very good pass blockers, not any, you don't have to hide them in any way. Yeah. And that is, and and that being on, you know, having those two guys, one on each side of your line to help solidify that pass pro is, is obviously good. Um, you know, Drew Dahlman, I think is getting there again, still a better run blocker, but he's getting mm-hmm. there. And then Bergeron, obviously the hope is that he continues to grow into being that sort of stalwart yes. as well. Um, but yeah, Caleb McGarry right now seems to be the guy that is, is struggling the most and we'll see, um, how that develops over the course of the year. But, you know, again, they did give him a new contract. It's not backbreaking in terms of the cost of the contract. And they basically made it, made it so they can get out of it after a year if they need to. Yeah. Um, I'm still doubtful that they'll do that. But if he continues to not be able to get it together in pass pro to where he's just back to being really inconsistent in that area. Last year was a big step forward in consistency for him, where I thought for the most part, mm-hmm. he was an average or better pass blocker most weeks. That's all they're really asking of him. They're not asking for him to be able to shut down elite pass rushers just to not be a liability. Um, but, you know, tackle offensive tackle could be something the team targets high next year. If there's still some issues with Caleb McGarry, but again, we got, 15 more games to get through before we really make any determinations on, on whether they actually need to make a move there or not. Um, and as then long as some. It, yeah. Yeah. And then some, yeah. So <laughs> f- 15 more regular season games before there you we, go. we, you know, have four playoff games. Uh, so <laughs> now we're <laughs> yeah, talking. Yeah. Uh, so 20 games uh, more or less, but yeah. Uh, no, I, I, I uh, appreciate, you know, we, we can have some, some discretion here. Like, okay, it's the beginning of the season. We'll give you a couple games to get your feet, get your feet wet, get prepared. Uh, and then we'll, we'll, you know, not, we're not going to throw anybody under the bus for a couple of games, uh, especially considering that there was a bounce back this week for sure. Um, yeah. Any other offensive players you want to touch on? I, I definitely wanted to mention Johnny Smith because yeah. Um, again, not a guy that was ever really known as a blocker, but always more of that receiving specialist move tight end type of guy. And I think over two weeks, he's been Atlanta's best blocking tight end, which is just, I don't know like what if Arthur Smith got him in here. It's like, all right, no, like it's time, Johnu. Like maybe that's why he's taking these veteran rest days. He's just hitting the weight room like all day or something. Uh, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's been a big surprise to me seeing how well he's been blocking out there. Yeah. You know, I think it's just the fact of, 
Uh, it looks like he was credited with four pass blocks as well. And again, we talk about different ways to help out with that offensive line on the outside. Yeah, leave a tight end in there. Again, you have a lot of other pass catching offer, uh, weapons, so that's not the biggest problem or biggest issue to do. But of course, you think about the way the Falcons run this offense, talking about those outside zone, those stretch type of plays, it really does bode well to have athletic inline tight ends. And of course, the Falcons have two of them if they do choose to play Cal Pitts in line. But if not, you have John New Smith. And so I think his athleticism, that's going to help you. If, if someone wants to play a seven or nine tech end, you know, he can start off on them. So that way, Caleb McGarry can go on his track and then he rounds that off. And then you get up to the next level as a tight end. So his athleticism really does play well into that. And I mean, what the, the main theme about this team overall, you want to talk about people buying in, right? I mean, Desmond Ritter said it last week. He doesn't care about stats. He's not a stat guy. He just wants to win. I know Arthur Smith had his whole fantasy football answer, which, you know, I have my opinions about it, but it is what it is. Uh, but check out know, the post game show uh, that you know right. if you want to hear our take on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. They're, they're, also, again, like I said, it was just funny because when he the, when he gave that answer, I'm just like, I don't even think it. Just, it was just so uncalled for, just from the standpoint of like, no, I, I really do think like people want to see these guys get targets because yeah, if you give your big time guys targets, it's going to help you win, not not you know fantasy points. But yeah, I, I bring up the point of people buying in because. Yeah, John, who's coming in, maybe, like you said, not known for being the best blocker, but if you want to be here, that's what you have to do. Yeah, And he knows that. He's bought into it. And I think he, that plays a big part as to why this run game is so successful. Yeah, pretty much everyone here is expected to block. Um, yeah. And, you know, props to them for, for, for getting it done. They brought in, you know, wide receivers that can block. They brought in yep. tight ends that can block. You know, everyone's expected to go out there and block. So um, that's definitely been interesting. And on the mention, uh, you know, Running backs at Tyler Algier ended up getting all of the pass blocking uh, reps, the pass protection <laughs> this week, which was funny. Um, and he crushed it. Uh, he had the yeah. actually had the highest pass blocking grade on the team, which is funny with an eighty-two. Um, but yeah, they're they're like, okay, Bijan, we'll, we'll take you into the, inside the lab and we'll, we'll get that that fixed up. <laughs> but I uh, just thought that was funny that uh, we Bijan with this with the seven pass blocks this week um yeah that that he crushed uh so great job or excuse me Tyler Algier with the pass block so great job uh, Algier there so that was I thought that was a funny one but yeah again Bijan was a very good pass blocker in college it's just it's a different level in the NFL it yes. takes time to adjust so we're not not too concerned about that um yeah any anyone else on the offense you want to shout out Jordan uh I mean I want to give a shout out to the offensive line just as a whole and I know we talked about this on the reaction show you could t- sense that because we credited the the Falcons defensive line for picking up the pass rush as the game went on. You could tell the Packers pass rush declined as the game went on. And I want to give credit to the guys up front for wearing them out. I think that's a very telltale sign. You know, when you know we talk about for the Falcons, you have all these guys you can rotate in time to time. So guys stay fresh with the Packers. Now, don't get me wrong. Their front line guys are, are good. That's a very good defensive line unit. But when you talk about depth, though, behind it, I don't think they're as deep in terms of, you know, putting guys in and plugging them to play the Falcons game. I don't think they're as deep. So a lot of those guys have to play a lot of snaps. And I think especially with how brutal and vicious we can be up front in terms of, you know, we want to be that run first team and, and, be, and be punishing in the run game, it wears guys down. Mm-hmm. And so I want to give those guys up front credit 
or wearing the Packers D-line down. That's where you saw some of those big plays come up later, whether it was in the run game or in the pass game. And yeah, a lot of that has to give a lot of that has to go credit for the work that 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 unit did all game long to get to that point. Yeah, no, I mean it's a good point that like honestly the the Packers defense does have like they've got guys um and the starters in particular are are quite good but yeah when you get into the depth it it is a little it's not as as good i mean i, I think on the edge they obviously do have some some guys there like i mean they've got mm-hmm. lucas van ness just in the wings uh you know and and rashawn gary and preston smith are the starters they do have some guys you know uh like, like lucas van ness but on the interior i think is where they got worn down because obviously the starters yeah. right K- kenny clark um and Devonte wyatt and, and those guys good players but um it's you know the, the the it's just hard to have the depth and the falcons are going to make you play more run snaps than you've played all season they're go- like what exactly. is it i think the falcons finished with like 40 carries or something like that so um they're gonna test your depth they're gonna yeah. make sure you have enough guys and Honestly, Devontae Wyatt, you know, you, I'm looking at his, I just pulled up Green Bay's grades for this week. Um, and Devontae Wyatt, who had an awesome game against the Bears last week, ends up finishing with a 45 overall grade against Atlanta. And he just got dominated in the run game with a 38.7 run defense grade. Um, and just these guys, like you said, they got worn out um, over time. And, you know, it if you can do that, like you again this this is this whole scheme and the system is sort of designed to limit the exposure of the pass blocking by a lot of different ways right one of those yeah. ways is by a lot of the times they actually will just run block on pass on pass plays as as you know part of their sort of misdirection up front um mm-hmm. so that helps in that regard but then also like if if the defense is really afraid of the run game they might have to hesitate for a second on that play action fake or whatever it is that buys your quarterback an extra half second to get the ball out. And like you mentioned, Jordan, by the end of the game, you're so tired from getting hit in the face by the, by Tyler Algier, like five times in the last seven plays that you're like, I can't even see straight at this point. And then, you know, (laughs) they're getting thrown over the top of. So, um, you know, it's when it works, it, it works well. Um, and you know, you come back to the way this game went down, the Falcons with all this, it was sort of the opposite of week one, like not a lot of production offensively for the Falcons, but they cashed in every red zone opportunity, come out with a big win this week, tons of production offensively in terms of yardage, just going up and down the field, but they can't cash in in the red zone. And so it's really close. Um, And that, that is the difference for teams. Um, But yeah, ultimately, I don't know how you feel. This was a much more impressive win to me um, overall, because the Panthers' defense, I think, is good, but the Panthers' yep. offense is—it's kind of a joke. Like, I mean, it, <laughs> we'll see this they, week. They I have, hope, I hope they beat go. New Orleans. I hope they beat New Orleans. Right, um, right. And like, they were obviously down receivers and all this stuff and and all that. So, you know, I no slander men at Bryce Young. I think he's got a very bright future ahead of him. But I wasn't that impressed with the Falcons' offense limiting that Panthers' defense, and I was pretty concerned that they allowed 150 rushing yards too. Right. Um, this week, they go up against, again, another sort of injury-plagued offense in the Packers that's not running at full strength, but uh, still a good offensive line, and and the run game is supposed to be a strength of its team. They shut down the run completely. They, they allowed, like, 
80 rushing yards total or something. And like most of those were one Jordan Love scramble. Um, That's right. Yeah. And then they, and then what's even, what's the most impressive thing is they're going up against a green Bay defense that was at full strength and is one of the premier passing defenses in the NFL. They, they always have struggled to tackle, which is why, you know, not surprised the run game did well, but I didn't expect the Falcons to have anywhere near as much success passing the ball. And a lot of that has, is credited to the offensive line for, wearing this defense down over time. Um, and obviously we had several guys like Drake London really step up in, in a really tough matchup. And, you know, Desmond Ritter too deserves some credit. Even though it was yep. up extreme up and down performance, that fourth quarter shows you what you want to see from him. Um, and, you know, just I think the whole team came together and I just thought this was a much more impressive and more encouraging win, even though it was ugly <laughs> for much of the game. Yeah. Uh, and, so. and- and you hit the nail on the head too about the run run game. I mean, AJ Dillon, fifteen carries for fifty five yards, right? Like you'll you'll take that any day of the week. You hold somebody under three yards of carry, and Jordan Love, like you said, his that long run he had was twenty four yards. So, I mean, almost a that third. was almost yeah. oh yeah, almost yards. a third on that one play. Um, so yeah, I mean, a phenomenal job. Of course, the run game might have looked a little bit different had they had Aaron Jones, or they can do yes. some more things on the outside, maybe, but. You know, that's that's that comes with the game, right? Like you never know who's gonna be ready to play, who isn't. Obviously, even for us, we thought we'd see Cordero Patterson potentially yeah. this week since he was practicing, but that didn't happen. And next week it's gonna be the case too, because David Montgomery, who was a starting running back for the Lions, is already out. So mm-hmm. that it, it just it happens, you know. and you know, I as much as I hate to see anybody hurt, I'm not gonna start discrediting what no. teams do. Like I know there's been a couple of things now where there have been a couple of broadcasters during games say, like, Oh, put an asterisk up against this one like i think someone said that for the uh the lions going up against the chiefs since mm-hmm. there was no kelsey and no chris jones i'm like give me a break you went on the road uh, yeah. as an in, against an nfl team and you won there's no asterisk like yeah. you won that's it mm-hmm. um you want to put asterisks up against anything we can start doing top 25 rankings like in college football <laughs> that, that doesn't matter either you win or you lose mm-hmm. but yeah I'm, I'm i'm just really interested to see this matchup in the trenches next week it is going to be a bring your lunch pail kind of game because this is probably going to be the best offensive line, in my opinion, that the Falcons will see all regular season. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how they how they do up against that. Um, it's just crazy the transition uh, and change that Dan Campbell has has made to this group. I know we all laughed at him, myself included, uh, with that opening presser, but he's doing the job. Yeah. And this is a very physical team. Um, I know that their fans are going to want to bounce back. I know they lost at home to Seattle. So they're going to want to have a bounce back game. It's a team, a matchup of who I think could be and should be two playoff teams. So it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really interesting one. Uh, I'm just I'm I'm excited for it. I think that you know they had a t- like the Seahawks again. They ran into a team that was also coming off an opening loss that they felt bad yep. about bounce back. So I I expect nothing less from the Lions. You know, and again, it's an overtime loss. It, it's crazy, um, but. You know, the Lions, again, put up over 400 yards offensively. I mean, that's crazy. Um, They did hold Seattle's run game in check, but they do allow, you know, the over 300 yards to Seattle passing. So I'm I'm interested to see how this looks because now the Lions are down James Houston, who's their number two pass rusher. Um, You know, how does that affect things up front for them? Because it's for for the Lions, it's always been that edge pressure was what was getting it done. Um, The interior is still a work in progress. 
you know, so this is a potential situation where we could see the Falcons just really go heavy ground attack, which, I mean, let's be honest, they're probably going to do that no matter what. Um, right. They, they like to just, they're going to ground and pound everyone pretty much. Um, but yeah, the, I'm just more interested in seeing like this. I'm just shocked how poor the running game has been for Detroit outside of David Montgomery. Like, I think we saw Jameer Gibbs come in with his talent and Montgomery leaves the game and you're like, okay, let's see it. Like we're, they're going to have to play Gibbs. Now Gibbs, Gibbs ends up with seven carries for 17 yards, uh, two, 2.4 yards per carry behind again, one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. Um, so it's, I'm just perplexed by that. Like, um, so that is definitely a storyline to watch is like, is that run game that they've been working to establish now? Is that really hurt by David Montgomery to, to, to an extent that I don't think anyone was expecting David Montgomery to be such a key contributor for that yeah. team uh, going forward. And, uh, and it'll be interesting to um, how much they're going to spread it out. I think that's what now the, the lines are going to transition to for next week. And again, still a so- very solid pass blocking offensive line group, but you know, I guess to do trench talk a little extended, if he comes back next week, I'm really going to be intrigued to see the matchups between Jameer Gibbs and Troy Anderson in the past game. Yeah. Because, um, again, we talk obviously about B. John Robinson and how great he is as a weapon in the receiving game, passing game. Jameer Gibbs is is, is that too and can be oh, yeah. that. So mm-hmm. we, we have obviously saw all the reps. I know you were there firsthand to see Troy go up against B. John in training camp. So he's going to be definitely well prepared to do it. But I think that's going to be one of the big X-factor matchups in this game coming up next week is, is that in the passing game. Yeah, yeah, I, and just matching up with that Detroit passing game in general where they've got all yeah. these, you know, this is D. Alford, buddy. It's your time. Like, it's time to, because mm-hmm. uh, you got Amon Ross St. Brown coming to town, uh, which will probably be one of his toughest matchups of the entire season. Um, but, hey, we got the Jeff Okuda revenge game, hopefully, to look forward to. Where's so. <laughs> my guy Clark Phillips? Yeah, I mean, where, where I is this man? There. Yeah. Like, no offense, Trey Flowers. Like, we've talked about Trey Flowers. Trey Flowers is a cornerback safety hybrid, a great run defender, and a tight end matchup specialist. And this man is playing 50 snaps at outside corner for this Falcons team. We we need to do something about that. Like, you can get away with it when you're playing the Panthers receivers and the Green Bay receivers without, uh, you know, their top guy. But you're not going to be able to get away with it against Detroit. Uh, so, right. <laughs> Jeff Okuda, uh, I hope you're ready. Uh, gonna, we need you bud <laughs> we need you bud right um and, and I, yeah. I i think we'll see him back this week yeah i think so too um so yeah great matchup on deck uh one of, the, one of the games of the week i think which is nice to say oh, when yeah. the falcons are involved no in a doubt. game that it's actually going to be one of the more exciting games that people actually have circled um if the falcons keep this up they'll get a primetime game i guarantee it um uh, late in the season so right oh, now, now we don't have any want to pay attention now they care about us so yeah, that's okay. I think they we like it. We like to be the plucky underdogs. As long as we're winning Absolutely. as plucky underdogs. Yeah, that that's fine. Don't want to be plucky underdogs and just always losing. That 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 also sucks. Couldn't um, agree with you more. Yep. All right. Well, Jordan, uh covered a lot of ground today. Anything else you want to add? Uh I want to just shout out once again the crowd at Mercedes-Benz. I think we're just yeah. under 70,000 from the reports, but again, you saw it late. I know there's a little bit of a lull in the middle of the game and the team also was playing with a little bit of a lull. But when it was time to go down the stretch and things were going, you saw the false start. You saw Bryce, uh, Jordan Love, excuse me. I keep wanting to say Bryce Love because that was Bryce one of my Love. Stanford teammates. Yeah. But uh, you saw Jordan Love. 
did the false start, trying to do that QB sneak off the right side. That forced him back. They had to punt it away. Uh, you, you can just tell the crowd playing an impact and influence now in two games in a row and big hit pivotal parts of the game. So keep showing up. I know we're on the road. It'll be cool to see if we can get some uh, good road crowd too. I know when we were, of course, in the Michael Vick days, but even that Super Bowl team and then the year after, we would get some good crowds uh, on the road. So let's see if we can do that too here in, yeah. in Detroit and really get to start building something uh, very yeah. special. That'd be cool. I, I hope we see that for sure. Uh, and yeah, we get to see Desmond Ritter, like, does he turn into a pumpkin on the road? Like, let's find out. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's been crushing it at home. Uh, that's for sure. Congrats on the 30 home wins in your collegiate and NFL career. But, uh, also last year lost both of his road games. So, Hey, this is going to be the deciding factor. You know, can, can he actually win on the road? Uh, well, he so. did once lead a, uh, a comeback win in the preseason against Detroit last year. So that's true. Who knows? Who knows? Hey, there you go. Hey. But, but then again, we don't have uh, what's his name, you know, to, to pull that off. So. Uh, Burke, Burkhardt, I think. Yeah, is, is we don't have Jer- Jerry Bernhard. Yeah, no, no yeah, more Bernhard. So we're gonna have to find another <laughs> hero. But um, yeah, no, definitely looking forward to it, guys. Thanks for so much for joining us here on Dirty Birds and Brews for another episode of Trench Talk. This show, of course, was brought to you by Bet Online. Want to thank my co-host Jordan Watkins. He's at Big Seventy Five Fella. Jordan, anything you're working on, you want to let the people know about? Uh, yeah, so I know I talked about the Falcon Fade podcast that I'm I'm doing, and of course we'll have another episode coming out later this week. We actually, I know we're recording this on a Monday, so we uh, will start doing reaction shows, I believe, on 99.1 in the Atlanta area. So that'll be three to four. Uh, we'll be doing that weekly, of course, just doing a recap of the game, some positive vibes, maybe some bad vibes, hopefully more positive than bad. <laughs> yes. But yeah. Uh, yeah, Clint, Clint Goss and I, we do that every week, so... Feel free to check that out if you want. Uh, of course, I'm feeling good because I actually had three wins this week. Uh, coaching football over at Skyline High School, JV won on a comeback win. And then we had a shutout 32 nothing win for varsity. So it's a All good right. weekend. Good Triple weekend. dubs. We love it. Yeah. All right. Quite a victory Monday then today. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Good stuff. All right. Riding high, I, I, I love it. We're getting, we got to keep it going, keep the streak going here. We won't, we won't um, talk about the Stanford game though. We, we won't, we don't have to talk. Yeah, about we'll just gloss over that. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, guys, thanks again. Uh, I'm Kevin. I have alcoholic Kevin. Uh, please do like, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Really appreciate that. Leave us a comment. Love to read those most of the time. You know, I won't, I won't name, I won't name names or anything. But yeah, most of the time. Um, <laughs> and uh, leave that five-star review on your podcast platform of choice if you're so inclined. We do really appreciate that. Uh, if you're interested in supporting the show, you can do so on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash falcoholiclive. You can follow us on Twitter for those updates at falcoholiclive, and make sure to check out the community Discord server. Link is in the show description, guys. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to Dirty Bird and Brews. We will see you on Wednesday night at 8 for Falcoholic Live, the next episode, as we uh, wrap, wrap up this second week of victory and, and move on to what should be a very spicy matchup this week against the Lions. So, yeah. all right, guys. Thanks again. Have a great day.